Today's episode of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast is brought to you by Hostfully, the market leader in digital guidebooks for short-term rental hosts. With Hostfully, you can create a beautiful online guidebook that you can send to your guests so they have a better experience and you get fewer questions. Sign up now at hostfully.com to get two months for free by using code PAD. That's P-A-D. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today I'm super excited. I have a fellow STR Legends Mastermind member on the call with me, Mr. Tim Hubbard. He is the CEO and co-founder of Midtown Stays, a short-term rental accommodation company. And we're going to learn all about it. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jasper. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Before we kick it off, uh, I know you're in, uh, in Colombia, in Medellin. How's, uh, how's life down there right now? You know, I can't complain. It's, it's like one of my favorite places in the world. So I'm, I'm usually pretty happy here. It's been really good. Yeah. How, how did you end up there? Just out of curiosity. Um, you know, I really love to travel and I was coming down here. I had a friend I went to college with that lived down here for about a year, I think like in 2015. So I came down to visit him and stayed for a month or so. And then just kept coming back. And then, you know, eventually I'm like, okay, I'm just going to move there. And it's been a couple of years now here, so it's been really yeah. good. The, the city of eternal spring. That's it. That is it. <laughs> and for yeah. the listeners, uh, that's because uh, Medellin uh, is uh, pretty much on the equator, so there's no real seasons. But it's also at about, what is it, 4,500 feet or something? Yeah, I think even more than that, five or 6,000 feet. Yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, it's not as hot as it normally would be on the, on the equator uh, because of the altitude. So it really, uh, really makes for like an amazing climate where it's like not so hot, not so cold, and it's the same temperature all year round, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, the plants grow effortlessly. Everything's green all the time. And yeah, it's a good spot. And, uh, you know, I have a special connection with Medellin because that's actually where I wrote my book, Get Paid for Your Pad. Oh, really? That's so funny because I... That your book is what got me started on short-term rentals. So literally I read it before I started my first one like five years ago. That's awesome, man. That's that's (laughs) good to hear. All right. So let's dive into today's topic. So uh, I'm super excited because we're going to be doing this a little bit different than normally. Um, Basically, I've been getting so many questions from smaller hosts in around Get Paid for Your Pad or in the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. And, you know, they, they asked me, they tell me that they've been listening to some of these interviews that I've been doing with our mastermind members and they really want to understand like what should they do in order to grow this business, right? They tell me that they want to get to like 25, 30, 35 properties, but they're not sure where to start and they, they want to know the, the, the shortcut. They want to know the obstacles that they would be facing. And so I thought it'd be really cool to do free case studies, 
because there's three business models, right? There's the ownership model where you're acquiring properties, um, renting out on Airbnb. And then there's the management model where you partner with homeowners and you take a percentage of the, of the profit. And there's the master leasing model, the rental arbitrage model, where you're essentially going out and, and getting leases and, and re-renting them on Airbnb. So I'm going to do three case studies with three SDR Legends Mastermind members. And today we're going to start with Tim. He, he went for the ownership model, right, Tim? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started uh, investing in property and I've continued that way. So really all the properties I've acquired specifically for short-term rentals were had like a good investment foundation to begin with. So that's been my model. Yeah, that's right. Awesome, man. Awesome. And um, tell us a little bit about, about your business work. Where, where is it located? How many u- units do you have, et cetera? Yeah, so I'm from Sacramento originally, and that's where I started investing, I guess a little over 10 years ago now. I have almost 60 properties or rental units, but 32 of them are short-term rentals, so about half. The other ones are either long-term or I have some commercial units. Uh, so I started in Sacramento, um, and you know, as markets change and prices change and returns change, I started looking for other areas. So I ended up going out of California and I invested a lot in Tennessee. Uh, and then most recently I, uh, started investing in Oklahoma city. So I'm in those three, three cities at the moment. Got it. Awesome. So we're going to dive in and, and really trying to understand, you know, if you were to sit down with somebody like a friend and that friend would ask you like, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to grow a business like you did. You have 30 minutes to, to give that person some advice. Like we're really trying to get to those, you know, to those really essential, crucial elements that people need to know uh, in order to do this. So let's start with the, the first question I want to ask you is what, what are the top three things that you're doing in your business right now that you wished that you started doing when you started? Well, I think one of them would be just communicating more with my team regularly. Actually, you know, when I, when I started, I was, I I set up a lot of things to be really passive and I kind of just stepped back and I focused on, on the investing side, you know, looking for new properties and uh, hired managers just to kind of handle everything. But I think being, and I'm not, I, I meet once a week basically with my team now, but I do it face to face virtually. And I think it makes a huge impact, makes a big change just with my team knowing that I'm like still here and not, you know, as before, like, I mean, there would be sometimes like a month where I wouldn't show my face, you know? And so I think having consistent, regular communication doesn't have to be a ton, but just having that uh, is really important. That's a great point, man. That's a great point. And um, I was just talking to uh, a student in the Profit Academy and uh, she was having some problems with her VA. And, And so I asked her like, when was the last time that you got on a Zoom call with her just to kind of connect and chat. And then Mm -hmm. she told me, well, I've never done that. I just give her what she needs to do for her task management system. And that's, so I'm glad you brought it up, man. I think that's really important is, uh, you know, making sure that that human connection is in place with your, with your team, I think is definitely really important. And it really is, you know, I used to do phone calls, but it's just as easy to do a video call and it makes such a, a big difference. I think just having the visual, visual piece. 100%, 100%, man. 100%. So that's one thing. Another thing I, that I've been doing with my housekeeping is that 
we review, well, I have a VA that helps me review all of our reviews and then we go over the negative ones, uh, which I had always done. You know, I want to know what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. But I, in the past, didn't really like send those reviews out to our team. So now when there's a negative review and it specifically mentions cleanliness, we pull those together and we send out an email like every couple weeks to the team or to whoever was responsible for the unit. And not to like, you know, say that they're doing a bad job or anything, but just to keep things more transparent. So, and they know that those emails are coming now. So I think that's, uh, that's helped and it's something that's really small and easy to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. Cause that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, uh, how to, how to get consistent, high quality cleanings. Right. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good one for sure. And I think uh, focusing on other channels, this is what I learned the hard way uh, just recently because I had an issue with Airbnb and they took my listings down. But, you know, I, I've been on VRBO and HomeAway before, but I honestly didn't put a lot of effort into those channels. It's kind of like I just threw them up there and if I got extra bookings from there, then cool. But, um, you know, after a couple issues with Airbnb recently, I've realized how important it really is to be on multiple channels and also actually having multiple Airbnb accounts. All my properties were on one Airbnb account. And so maybe splitting up your Airbnb accounts, but also being on other channels and and focusing a little more on them. I would say that's a, that's a, that's a key one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too, man. And that's something that uh, people like yourself, but you're not the only one. A lot of people think have kind of learned it the hard way uh, through COVID as well with little cancellations and whatnot. Yeah. Cool, man. That's, those are great points. Uh, thank you for sharing that. So imagine like when you started out, right? Imagine you had a, a mentor, like somebody who's already built what you wanted to build. Like what, mm-hmm. what would be some of the things that you, you would have wanted help on? What, what would you ask that mentor? I would say a big one, and, and this is coming from like the investment side of it, is that the returns are different everywhere. They're different in every market. And just exploring opportunities outside of the market that we live in, I think is a huge one because, you know, it, in the US, for example, we have like 500 MSAs that call metropolitan statistical areas, areas where they actually track all the data. Um, but there's actually like thousands of markets in the US and they all have different returns. And so really exploring that idea and not just investing like where we live because it's most comfortable. You know, I think we, we live where we want to live, but we invest where it makes the most sense to invest. As a newbie or, or looking back, you know, that wasn't really maybe a comfortable idea for me, but but we have so much technology now and, and it's so, especially in the U S like real estate's very transparent. It's easy to figure it out uh, with all the data available. So if I had going back and I had a mentor from the beginning, I would have wanted them to push me to go to other markets sooner, probably. Got it. And one kind of playing advocate of the devil here, but um, you know, one thing that. uh, that when I talk to real estate people, they always tell me like, it's really important to know your market really well. And to get the good, really good deals, you kind of have to be a little bit connected. You have to know some people. So my, my question to you then is, 
you're saying, hey, you should, you should spread out and go to different markets where the returns are better. But are you not at a disadvantage when you're investing in a property compared to the locals? So it depends on like what type of property you're investing in. So most all my properties are small multifamily apartment buildings. Uh, and if you're buying one that's, that's under four units or it's four units or less, those are almost always showing up on the MLS or, you know, on realtor.com or Zillow. They're, they're easy to, to find. Now, when you step from four units to five units and it becomes a commercial property, at least in the eyes of a lender, then it's much more important in my experience to have a broker or someone that's finding deals for you because a lot of those deals never show up on the open market. But you got to start somewhere, you know what I mean? I, I think if you know exactly what you're looking for, so you maybe find some of these other markets and you know the exact zip code that you want to be in, you know exactly how much you want to spend and if you want to do repairs or you don't or what size units, the more you know exactly what you're looking for, you can tell that to a broker. And then if they find something, really the, the main thing is just being able to close on that property. And then once they see that you've closed on the property, well then boom, they, they can trust you and then they're gonna start finding better deals for you. So it kind of has to start somewhere, you know, but that's what I've done. And it, it yeah, it is true. I mean, uh, having connections, you can get, you can get uh, much better deals. But I think that's more, you know, for those slightly larger properties, it helps more than maybe it does for the, the smaller ones. Due to COVID, it's now more important than ever that your guests actually read your house rules and check-in instructions. And there's no better way to deliver that information than by using an online hostfully guidebook. You can build your guidebook in just a few hours and simply include a link to your guidebook in your welcome email. Your guests can access it on desktop, on mobile, and they can even print it out. Now, as a result, you look super professional. Your guests have a better experience as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com, code PAD, which is P-A-D. What were some of the biggest uh, challenges and obstacles that you ran into and how did you overcome them? So financing, you know, uh, financing's been a challenge and it, and it changes all the time. You know, uh, when I was first getting started and I didn't have a lot of, you know, as much income coming in and I've always worked for myself. So that makes it a little more difficult to get financing too. But what I learned there is that basically every lender is different, you know, so I might get rejected by five lenders, but then there's one lender that's totally happy to lend to me. And so I think that was a big, a big learning curve is just not uh, being intimidated if you get rejected by a lender and just reaching out, talking to as many people as you can. Because they all have their, especially, you know, like local lenders. If, if you find a property, uh, all the big banks, the biggest banks usually have like the same set of rules and regulations and stuff. And they don't really bend too much on those. I'm talking like Wells Fargo and Bank of America and those types of places. But if you find a property in a market 
and you find a local lender, like a credit union or someone that just lends in that city, for example, a lot of times they'll look a lot more at the, the property itself than, you know, and if the property makes sense and they're familiar with the market, then they're much more inclined to lend on it. So I think that was, that's actually a really big one because if you can't get the financing, then you can't do the deal, right? So yeah. unless you you're a billionaire and you just have right. all the cash, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So what are some? Because uh, financing obviously is is a is a big challenge, right? For people who want to invest, what are the best ways to find lenders? You know, are we do we just go to the big and the smaller banks, or are there other ways as well? So a lot of times uh, your broker or whoever, you know, finds the property for you. Uh, and I really recommend working with a broker. I mean, they're, that's what they do. But a lot of times they have lenders that they prefer to work with. So you can get great referrals from a broker uh, or a real estate agent. But aside from that, you know, if it's a new market that you're in, just you can just Google banks. And um, usually the smaller banks are going to be more flexible. So, you know, you can tell if they have two branch offices in the city or maybe they only have one, they're probably going to be more flexible than uh, maybe a, a bank that covers 20 states or that is nationwide or something like that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Awesome. So um, if you were to start over again, you know, what, what is something that you would do different? So again, coming, coming from like the investment side of things, I would just focus on small studio apartments as investments because I found for me uh, that they've returned the best. And I also have less challenges with guests because there's not as many guests going to the properties. There's less chance of parties, but a lot of the expenses are less too. And if you're just starting out investing, if you're buying a building with four studios, for example, versus four, you know, two bedroom apartments, it's probably going to cost less too. So the entry level price is probably going to be less. The utilities are going to be less most of the time because it's a small space. And, and then there's way less guest challenges because if it's, you know, listed for two people, um, the chances of like 20 people showing up and trying to, you know, think by the rules, it's just much, much less likely. So I found the most success with the small units. I'd probably focus on, on those. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great point too. And I own two studios myself and I totally agree with you. And the interesting thing is that, you know, when you compare short-term rentals to long-term rentals and to the, the real estate market where when people buy a house to live in, because there's three ways that you would need accommodation, either to live in, you buy it or you rent it or it's a short-term rental, right? And you stay for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. When you stay for like only a few days, the size of the apartment is not so much related to the price I found right. versus long-term rentals and, and when you purchase a house, right? Right. So it's, all, it's more about the experience, right? So if you have a small studio, but you're creating an incredible experience, you can charge mm -hmm. per square feet. You can charge a really high rate yeah. for with a short-term rental right. right that's true and you also you know if you're uh, i've liked in the past i've done a lot of value add deals you know or but most of my properties are historic and a lot of them are like over 100 years old so i've done a lot of renovations and if you're buying a smaller property is going to cost less to renovate right because it's just smaller i mean less flooring and less 
paint and less all of that. So just on a, like a global return, the short term or the uh, small studios have been, been best for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. What do you think are, are some of the, the driving factors behind your success and whether that's something personal, like your mindset or something you did or some strategy that you, that you applied? So I, I got a few things. I, I mean, I would say, first of all, I, I discovered really early on that I loved traveling and I wanted to be able to do that forever and not have to, you know, rely on a job or something like that. So I had a lot of motivation, I guess, to figure out something that was going to work and that, that uh, would allow me to do that. And that for me has been real estate. And actually, I mean, for a lot, a lot of people, that's real estate, right? I mean, more people become wealthy through real estate than almost any other thing, at least in the US. Um, so having that motivation, uh, but then also like coupling that with consistency, you know, like know, knowing what I'm going for, but just working at it a little bit each day. One of my, one of my favorite books is called The Slight Edge. And that's basically all it talks about. It's just like, you know, little actions that we take each day, they add up to big results. And so doing that little by little, especially, you know, investing in real estate, it's not like a, it's not like a get rich scheme thing. You know, it does take a little bit more time. Uh, you can't scale maybe as quickly as you could if you were doing the lease arbitrage model or something like that. So I would say, yeah, motivation, consistency, but then also education. Like, I, you know, I love learning. And so I'm always trying to learn more about the industry and about real estate. Uh, and that makes it so I'm like, you know, the investments I make, I feel more comfortable with. And yeah, education's big. So the, the SDR Legends group has been awesome, by the way, because there's so many, you know, super successful people in there. And it's just a great group to learn from, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, learning always be learning is uh, is actually one of the like a core value that we uh, have in our company as well. It's really important. Cool, man. Is there uh, well, we've gone through quite a lot, and I definitely learned a few things. So this is this is super exciting. I'm sure it's really helpful for people out there who want to um, want to build a business with the ownership model in in short term rentals. Anything else you wanted to share that you think is important or any other advice for somebody who's just starting out? Yeah, I guess I'd add one last thing and, and that's that, you know, people are always trying to like time the market, right? And especially now, it's been a really crazy year. But the reality is that if we're investing in a property for cash flow uh, and we're getting financing that's fixed for, you know, a lot of times three decades, then our costs aren't really going to change. And that property is going to make sense no matter really what the market's doing around it. You know, if prices are going up or going down, it's not going to affect us as much as if, if we're investing just for cash flow. So I'd say if someone's interested, don't let the, the news and the media and all that get in the way of stopping someone because that stuff's always there. And you know, if a property makes sense from day one because of cash flow, then it's going to make sense later on. Um, so I, I would say don't, don't be intimidated by everything going on in the market. Dude, I love that, man. I think that's, that's incredible advice. You know, investing is for the long term. 
Um, it's for the cash flow. And I know it's a, it's maybe not as sexy as, you know, buying a home and flipping it and making like 50 K in like six months and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But in the end of the day, it's, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Like I, the way I think about it is it's wealth creation. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah, exactly. And you know, somebody asked me the other day is like, you know, how much, how much has your property in Colombia appreciated since you bought it? And I'm like, I don't even know how to look that up in Colombia. Um, but also I don't really care. You know what I mean? Cause it's the, the cash flow is, is coming in every month. Uh, and it's a, it's a really good return on, on the money I put in. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, the price, it's like wh- whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. It doesn't really matter. Right. If you're investing on the long term, I'm not going to sell it anyway. Um, right. So yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, if the cash flow makes sense, then, um, then that's, that's, that's all that matters really. And, you know, you definitely don't want to wait and, you know, you listen to the news and you're, you're hearing stories of like, Oh, the real estate market's going to go down 20% in the next six months. Right. So, you know, you should wait and buy at the low and, and then sell at the high. And <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they say it's better to buy, uh, real estate and wait, than wait and buy real estate. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially now, man, like if, uh, at least I feel like if you look in history, like there's always been inflation. So homes can depreciate in, a, you know, in the mm-hmm. short term. But I mean, you know, I don't think there's anywhere in the world where you can find a property and you can say, you know, this property is, is now worth less than a similar property was in that spot 50 years ago. Or uh, that's a great point. I you totally know, agree. That's, yeah. I, you probably won't be able to find that. So, yeah. you know, over time, especially, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but especially now interest rates are, seem to be kind of stuck at almost zero, right? Yeah. The central banks are creating so much money. The governments are spending so much money. Like, isn't that, totally. you know, it just, it, to me, it just feels like there is so much upward pressure on hard assets, you know, because Absolutely. of the money creation. Yeah. I mean, they just printed trillions of dollars in the U.S. And that money has to go somewhere for sure. So inflation, yeah, if we have hard assets, then we can like dodge inflation, right? Um, And the the beautiful thing about it is like if you're using debt for for property, uh, amazingly low interest rates, historically low, like the reality is we're not even paying for these properties ourselves. It's our short-term rental guests and the rents coming in from that or our long-term tenants if we have long-term tenants. So we're, we're like, we're, you know, we're not even paying for the property anyway. So, but yeah, I think uh, having hard assets is, is a good strategy with all the, the money printing and everything going on. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I was, I was talking to my roommate today and we were talking about this and I asked him a question. I was like, if you have two options, I either, I either give you $100,000 right now or I give you a $100,000 home and you would have to hold on to those for the next like 10 years. Then what would you rather have, the, the dollars or the, or the home? If you can't touch mm-hmm. it during those 10 years, you know? And, you know, I'd much rather have a $100,000 home if I wasn't able to touch it for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for joining. This was uh, super interesting to talk to you. The first yeah. case study 
on the on the ownership model. Uh, the next couple episodes, we're gonna we're gonna get somebody on who grew a management model company, and we're gonna ask the same questions and trying to really dig and see what are the real drivers to success. What are the challenges? What are the things you have to overcome? And, and what are some of the, the things that um, you want to do now when you're starting out that will really help you grow that business? So we'll do the management model. We'll do the master leasing model. Tim, thank you so much, man. And uh, for people who want to come to Sacramento or in any other of your markets, like where, where can they find your properties? Uh, yeah, my, my website's midtownstays.com. Um, so they can just log on there and they'll, they'll find me on there. Awesome property. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Awesome, Emma. Thanks for joining. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening. And uh, next week, we're back with the next case study. So stay tuned. And until next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over $2 million, or you operate boutique hotels, then the STR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.